couple years down the road, you get really into like serious acting. You um, you know, you've been in a couple of things. You've done some stuff. I've, yeah, I have been in some truly terrible projects. Yeah, <coughs> but um, in spite of like how bad some of them are, <laughs> you you like you still like the the fire has been lit inside of you. Am I still doing comedy? Yeah, but you find yourself doing it less and less as you like take on more of a role in like a community theater and okay. you know you're you're uh you're reading a lot of lines and you know you're you're really devoting a lot of time to like auditioning around town and am know, I doing am I uh like nailing the auditions or am I any good at acting? Yeah, yeah, you you're not bad, you know, you're you're figuring it out, you know? Um but you're you're just feeling like you feel caught between two worlds while you're in Austin. So like, you know what? I need to pick a path and I need to, I need to, Oh wow. I need to go. Okay. Right. You decide to move to Atlanta for acting, for acting. You know, they got a lot of, they film a lot of stuff in Georgia. Okay. And uh, you're like, I, I want to go to a place where I can, you know, you know, do that kind of stuff, but not like LA. Cause I, I really need to learn my craft better. You, you're like diving headfirst in. Okay. Right? you got a couple projects you're working on in the spare time how do um <clears throat> excuse me how do like my comedy friends like what do they think of all this they um they're like really they're like they're super encouraging they're like, hey man yeah if you if you find something you're, you're really passionate about go for it everybody is uh behind you 100 percent. that rules you're you have a, a web series it's not really a web series it's just you doing a shot for shot remake of uh that movie the perfect storm <laughs> that sounds expensive it's not good you know <laughs> what i mean but you're like determined but you've like you're like i'm gonna show my chops i'm gonna recreate the greatest movie known to man the perfect storm <laughs> the mark Wahlberg vehicle yeah uh you just love that fucking movie you remember when it came out you saw it like 14 times in that first week you were just there you know seeing several shows a day you just love the perfect storm you you think back like every time you like press publish on like your your little web series videos that you put out the shot for shot remake of perfect storm every time you click publish you just think back that first time you saw it and you saw that giant wave crashing down on the boat and it just tears streaming down your cheek and you were just whispering to yourself they're not gonna make it they're not gonna make it Right, you just you just relive that pretty much every day. Yeah. And that's how you know like man, the power of cinema can move people. For sure. And, and that's one of the things that sort of drove you down this path. So you move to Atlanta. You start um you start working uh, at like a like a film production company. You're like I'm going to work security. You're like I'm going to get a foot in the door. Oh, okay. You're going to start on ground floor. You're going to work security. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to ingratiate yourself and you're going to figure it out from there. The uh, studio is called uh, Beef Cheek. Beef Cheek? Yeah. Why the fuck is it called that? Because the, the owner of Beef Cheek Studios, uh, William Pearls, he... Like he he grew up like really poor, yeah. And uh, they would have like beef cheek like one time a year, 
like his mom would like be able just to scrounge up enough money to give his family like the delicacy of like eating beef cheek and he said before he left his mom was his mom was dying of uh, cancer before he left out to the west (laughs) he stood in the doorway the sun set behind him and he says i'm gonna make you proud of me someday mom and then he closed the door and she died like right away uh jeez yeah, but they didn't have phones or anything, and so no, he didn't find out until like weeks later. Oh God! Yeah, it was just a different time, you know. The body just like was there for. No, I mean like the rest of the family was there. Oh, okay. He was waiting at a bus stop. They didn't bother like getting him or anything. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, it's, it's a strange just, family. Yeah, so Beef Cheek Studios is is like uh, it's really like a memoriam like just his his late mother. Yeah. So if you ask him about it, he does not like it okay <laughs> okay i wouldn't impress that on you i would okay i want to do i ever ask him like by accident or i mean do you i don't think i would it's impressed on you from day one they're like hey you don't okay so i know that going in it's not you a, don't a ask I learned, mr pearl about that i never asked mr pearl anything about cheek yeah and they're like you sure you got it i got it so you're working security right at beef cheek studios <laughs> You're you're like writing scripts in your spare time, and you're going to acting classes. You're in a like a community play. It's a play called uh, "The Silver Stars," and <sighs> it's about um, the first man to walk on a star. <laughs> it's like a it's like a science fiction project. <laughs> it's t- it takes place in the year. 2,545. Wow. Yeah. It's like a weird science fiction play. Um, nobody comes to it. Is it any good? It's not, I mean, it's, you know, it's not bad. Okay. Need some work. So you're like acting, right? You're, you're feeling like very fulfilled. You, and frankly, you kind of like the job. You know, you never thought that you'd be a security guard, but you, you put on that uniform every day. You just feel a surge of power. Yeah. Straight up your fucking cock. Ew. Straight up. Wait, what? Yeah. Every day you put that suit on, you just feel so fucking powerful. You just feel it in your cock first. Just this overwhelming sense of power washes over you when you just put the pants on, when you tighten the tie, mm-hmm. you put on the hat, and you clip that utility belt Yeah, you know, in a place. Nothing makes you feel more alive <laughs> and more in charge oh, man. than that second after that utility belt clicks in place. Every day you put it on, you stand in front of the mirror and you go, nobody's going to fuck with this guy. <laughs> I say that out loud? Every day. Jeez. Yeah. Does anyone fuck with me? I mean, every now and then, but nothing uh, too bad. All right. But you feel like you got to keep it up, you know? Sure. You, uh, you, you receive what you put out into the universe. So you're working at Beef Cheek, right? Uh, just doing security. Like I said, you, you like it. You eventually get moved from like outside in the lot to you know inside um over the course of like two years you just kind of keep moving up you know uh all the way up to where you're guarding uh mr pearl's door you're right outside the owner of beef cheek studios door anybody who wants to see him they got to come through you at this point how long have i been working there like two years okay and they're like they're like talking to you. They're like, hey, man, yeah, if you want to come by and like, you know, read some stuff like they're, they're starting to like open up 
their doors to you on in that manner too. Okay, cool. Because they, they 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 just know me on a personal level. Yeah, at this point. they know you on a personal level, and frankly, okay. you're you're getting to be a pretty good actor. Wow. This uh this season, you are the lead in a uh, stage adaptation of the a lost episode of uh, Who's the Boss. You play Tony Danza. Wait, hold on. It's it's just an episode that was never produced. Or yeah. What do you mean? Okay. Yeah. It was an episode that was lost. What happens in it? Uh, they just they misplaced the container with okay. the, with the footage in it. It was um it was propping up the leg on like a table that had one leg that was shorter than the other ones. You know, wow. instead of like a book of matches or anything, they just had a film reel. Never got aired. So you're starring in this adaptation of the show. Weird. Okay. Who's the boss? And people come out to it. Tony Danza comes out to it. And what? like it's like kind of like there's like a little bit of buzz about it. It's just like it's like funny and uh it's very real, you know. Um uh, it basically revolves around Tony Danza's character like coming to grips with his uh you know, he needs to like do something in his life. And it's all about him like leaving the family and like going back to school. Do people like it because it's genuinely good or do they like it because it's just what a weird idea to do? They like it because you make it good. Wow. Right. Okay. So there's definitely some buzz about Pat all around the Atlanta acting scene. And you're still working a beef cheek, right? You go in yeah. one day. You go all the way up to the 12th floor. You take up your post right outside Mr. Pearl's office. And normally you don't really like you're you're very focused on on your craft, so your mind is like oh you're always like running lines in another sure. place. And the job is frankly very easy. Nobody really, you guys are aware before anybody comes up, before anybody leaves. You know, it, there's no surprises. You could pretty much do it with your eyes closed. Uh, and so normally you're just kind of like off in a different place, or like you're you're listening to music or whatever. You're on a computer. This time you're just kind of standing by his door. You're on watch. And the door swings open, and for a split second, you see like uh, you see like a, a projector. You see like a, somebody's presenting a PowerPoint, and you see it's just uh, they're blowing up the New Orleans Superdome on the projector. On the, yeah, and it says the plan, and then it just shows like uh, sticks of dynamite, and then a plus sign and then a picture of the superdome <laughs> wait that's what they ha oh god okay yeah <clears throat> i mean whoever made the slide isn't very good at it no you know? that sounds like what a second grader would do yeah okay that sucks and just before the door swings closed a man kind of walks into your into your periphery that you couldn't see before and you catch just like a just a just a, a momentary glance He's wearing this long robe. Yeah. It's like uh it's like bright red and black. All right. And it looks fucking nice. It looks like somewhere official. It looks like he got it from somewhere that you can tell this isn't like a knockoff piece of clothing. It's not cheap looking, is what you're yeah. saying. And you see it for just a you see <clears throat> just a flash. And then the door closes. What would you do? I think I would just stand there and see if anybody comes outside. Would you like listen in? Yeah, for sure. You like cup your ear. Yeah. Or... So you cup your ear to the door and you hear uh, you hear a guy talking. 
and he has like a like a southern drawl. Yeah, you know, he's got a real slow southern drawl, and he's talking about boys. We're gonna blow up the Superdome. Just this real slow syrupy southern drawl. You know. Yeah. Okay. The scent um, of peaches. I like, smell peaches. Like you, you have your ear up to the door, and the, your nose is like right by the crack. And when the guy, when that guy talks, you you just smell peaches. Okay, I think I, I keep listening. So he goes on in a great detail about how they're going to blow up the Superdome. The meeting lasts for maybe another 10 minutes or so. Uh, after they're done talking about how they're going to blow up the Superdome, they just go around and they uh, they just talk about like their day. Like it's it's pretty it's pretty boring. <laughs> Wait, hold on. They discuss their day. Yeah, it's like a team building exercise. It's oh, like a, that yeah. is so fucking lame. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. I, I guess I listen in on so their you, day. Do they, say, do they say their names and stuff? No, no. At this point, I have a notebook out and I'm I'm writing things down. So you, you write down all this stuff. Yeah. What do you do? The meeting, the, like the meeting, clearly comes to an end, and they're like, "All right, well, we'll see you later." Okay, I and go then back. You just hear that fucking syrupy voice. Just, we'll be in touch, right? Real deep, slow Southern drawl. I go back to normal. I act like I wasn't listening, and clearly, just do my job. I wait to see who comes out the door, so I can give detailed descriptions of these of these men. So you look at them, and it's a bunch of executives that you've always. There's like a like a half dozen of them. Just guys that you know exactly who they are. They're just like vice presidents of stuff. I, I, I mean? So I just keep going in my head. I go through a list of all the people that yeah. are there. So I don't forget. And then as soon as they're like out of the way. Yeah. I probably write all the names down. Yeah. So what would you do? That's what I do. I kind okay. of sit back. So I, but then what would you do with it? Like nobody else comes out of the office. Who is my direct supervisor? Uh, the head of security. And what his name? Sammy Stallone. Okay, I find Sammy Stallone. He's a short Italian guy. He's got a full head of like jet black hair. <laughs> He's always wearing a windbreaker. Okay, so I find him. I go, um, Sammy, brother, I hate to do this. What kind of relationship do we have? It's all right. He he feels like you uh, shouldn't be in the position that you're in. You know, he respects the work you do, but he feels like there are other other people that are more deserving. Like himself? No, he doesn't want that job anymore. Oh, right. He's my superior. Yeah, he, okay, yeah, I understand. Okay. Superior. I go, Sammy, I, I hate to do this. Uh, I feel like shit. I just had diarrhea. I, I can. Can I can I can I get out of here early? I'll make it up to you. He leans into you and he kind of sniffs you. He goes, I don't smell no diarrhea. He goes, yeah, you can go. But it kind of hangs there in the air for a second. He's implying I shouldn't go. No, he's not implying. He's just he's just like, I got my eye on you. I go. He he knows you don't have diarrhea. And you look at him and you know that he knows that. Okay, so that sucks, but the reason I'm leaving is so I can go to the cops and I can turn these guys in. So, so would, once I once what would you do? 
Well, 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 but so, so okay. So he's like, yeah, you you can go. <clears throat> I go, thank you, Sammy. I appreciate it, brother. I'll make it up to you. He goes, drink lots of fluids. I go, I will. I, I got a lot of them. I got a lot of them at home. I sh- well, that's a dumb thing to say, but that's that's what I say. He goes, okay, all right. I walk away as quickly as possible. That doesn't look suspicious. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna run out. Yeah. Or anything, especially because I just had diarrhea. Yeah, yeah. So I just I would just sort of amble on. Yeah, yeah. Outside, like like to the nearest door. Uh huh. And as soon as I'm in outside, I don't give a fuck. I start running. I run to my car and I drive to the fucking police station. So you drive to the police station, right? Yeah. I, I walk in. I go. I need to report something very serious. They go, what do you mean? Very serious. Uh, terrorist attack. I got some details. They go, holy shit. I go, yeah. They go, come with us. And they lead you into the chief's office. Chief Jack Pounds sits down at his desk. Wait, what's his name? Chief Jack Pounds. Okay. He just transferred in from Austin. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I sit down. I go, Mr. Pounds, thank you for seeing me. I tell them everything. I, I explain where I work, yeah. what my job is, uh, that I've ascended to one of the highest levels, that I'm guard, personally guarding you know, the CEO, whoever he is, and I tell them what happened. I tell them that I, I, I overheard this meeting, them discussing destroying the Superdome, yeah. and I can give you the full names of the, of the people responsible. I can, I can tell you who half the, half the people in this meeting were. Yeah. <clears throat> so you, you divulge all this information. All of it. You tell I'm him, freaking out. You tell him everything. Yeah. And he's just like, they've got somebody there. You're on camera. And they go, okay, we're going to look into this. And so uh, he was, he was, but like, we can't tell them. He goes, they can't know that you came to us. Don, I don't, I don't want to talk to these guys about this. He goes, okay, just keep doing what you're doing. Everything is normal and we'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. Fuck. Yeah. So you go into work the next day. You just like do your job like you always do. You know what I mean? And I'm good at this, you said. Yeah, you're good at it. Man, I'd be nervous. But you you've been a, you're such a good actor. <laughs> like your nerves, like nobody can fucking tell. You are as cool as a goddamn cucumber pad. Okay. I would go back in front of his I would guard his uh, door again and I would listen. Okay, so you're at the door and you're you got your hand just cupped to the door. You're listening to those voices. And you uh, you get kind of nervous, obviously. And for a split second, you start to sweat. And you like kind of look up at it. You're like, cool as a cucumber. Cool as a cucumber. And it just it goes back up inside your scalp. It just retreats. You all, it almost makes a noise like, oh, no. <laughs> wait, I don't know. Wait, wh- what? Yeah, when you feel the sweat reenter your bloodstream, you can almost hear it go, oh, no. Like it was scared of you. That's how good of an actor you were. That's, That's really how weird. Good you were convincing that you were going to be cool as a cucumber. What? So you hear like you hear like um, you can't hear them very well. Like they're not being very loud. It's like kind of hushed tones, you know. But I can make out what they're saying. It, it's kind of it kind of goes in and out as people, you know, just naturally converse. They shift around, and uh, you're you kind of like you don't catch all of it. All you know is that they're they're very. It's like very hushed and like quick. And uh, they sound nervous. And then uh, you hear it. All of a sudden, you hear him just, you hear like the, the one guy say, shh. And it falls dead quiet. And you hear like almost like the flap of wings. And then he goes, oh, no. 
and you're like what the fuck is going on and you just hear complete chaos down below what right wait down below yeah like underneath you you guys are way up on like the 13th floor okay you hear just like gunfire and you hear just like people just like the thud of bodies falling to the floor people Jeez. screaming for their lives <clears throat> and it's slowly like you hear like the ding of an elevator and like everything else is dead quiet you just hear like the whirring of the elevator and the elevator opens at the end of the hall and stepping out of it is uh, a man he's also wearing a robe oh shit his is uh black and gold <laughs> and when he when he takes a step out of the elevator just jambalaya you just smell like creole cooking in the air you know what i mean yeah you just smell like you could swear it's like you had you had a box of zatarin's rice when you were a kid yeah for dinner one time and your mom was like this is the taste of new orleans and that has just stuck with you forever and you almost taste that same taste in your mouth and he strides towards you and there's just little new orleans saints like the fleur-de-lis just all over this robe and he uh he's wearing like a like a like the hat that like a cardinal would wear you know <laughs> he's wearing like a very tall hat and uh he's like striding towards you what do you do i go who the hell are you he looks at you and he motions like he makes a cross with his hand and a cross uh materializes and it's <laughs> it's a it's a beignet it's a beignet cross and he like spins his finger around in like a twirly motion and it starts like twisting in the air and he kind of moves his hand towards it and he pushes it and it burrows like right through your fucking chest. Oh, come on. <laughs> and, and, and you, you just hear the sound of the beignet cross, like just peel through your, your, uh, your chest. It fucking rips your heart and your lungs out and you see him kick the door down and he says, and then he says, uh, the saints go marching in Oh no! <laughs> and then you fucking die. <laughs> Mr. Pearl and, and the other wizard. There's the the wizard of Atlanta. I know who it was. <laughs> what happened to them? I don't know, man. I wouldn't. I don't know. The wizard of New Orleans. The, the Saints. <laughs>